0: This is an RNZ podcast. As a teenager, I knew exactly what I wanted. And most of the time, that was to be close to boys. I wanted to kiss them and touch them and feel them pressed up close to me. My teenage diaries are filled with page after page dedicated to the boyfriends I'm so in love with and their friends. Because I didn't have much in the way of guidance when it came to sex and relationships, I copied what I saw around me and the guys made it look so easy. Go to parties, hook up, move on. But things usually weren't that simple for us girls. My friends and I learned really quickly that our bodies were great assets when it came to getting the attention of the boys we liked. But after those first kisses, when things started to become more heated and exciting, it was like our bodies became not ours anymore. We wanted to be there. But with no real idea of what direction to steer things, and having been taught to be polite, and to be careful of boys' feelings, and not to be a tease, we handed over the controls. For far too many of us, far too much of the time, sex became something we let happen. I wonder sometimes how things might have been different for us if we'd just had a little more information. If someone had told us that when it comes to sex, everyone has a right to pleasure, that safe sex is about far more than condoms, and that it's okay to say no after you've said yes.
1: The first word that comes to mind is shagging, bonk, rooting, procreation, <laughs>
2: the ins and outs of sex, <laughs> okay. uh,
1: oh. bang, bang, what, bang, so it's called bang, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, bang,
0: <laughs> <laughs> hello, welcome back to Bang, I'm Melody Thomas and this is episode two, sex and sensibility. Today we explore sex, sexuality and relationships in the teenage years including what happens when
1: pornography stands in for sexuality education. Pornography not only suggests that gender inequality is normal, it suggests that it's sexy.
0: We venture into a year 13 sex ed class.
3: I unfortunately (laughs) have to count myself among the thousands that had to Google how to have safe gay sex.
0: And well-known Kiwis travel back in time to tell their teen selves the one thing they wish they'd known about sex.
4: I think that you really just need to get to know what you're comfortable with.
0: But first, a brother and sister who are 17 and 15 years old share what's going on in their world. Now just a warning before they start, this episode includes frank discussion of topics like sexual assault that you might find confronting or distressing. So if there are sensitive ears around, you might just want to listen at another time. Also, we're not going to share any identifying information about the schools, but they do both go to single-sex schools. So I started this interview by asking them what that's like.
5: Um, well, personally, I don't really like the idea of single-sex schools. Like, um, Dividing people up by gender just doesn't seem right. It certainly brings to light like, a lot of social issues that we have. The big one is obviously sexism, the way that boys just talk about girls not focusing on anything about their personality, just their looks. That's kind of the idea that the majority of boys see of girls, which, yeah, I find absolutely disgusting.
0: Is there a lot of pressure as a boy at a boys' school to partake in those discussions? Oh,
5: yeah, the, um, the amount of pressure to like get with girls at parties and those sorts of things is just, yeah, it's crazy. Like, sort of expected that there's a girl there, she's good-looking, you get with her, doesn't matter if she, like she likes you. You just gotta go for it. A few years ago, the dances, the like countdowns, so where all the boys would crowd round a couple dancing, and they'd count down, and then have to kiss when the countdown reached zero. And it was kind of seen as weak if you tried to bail or ran off. Yeah, that certainly many of my friends had that experience.
6: I mean, school dances can be fun, but what goes on it gets out of hand. There's a game that um, some people play, which is just it's called Smack and Gap. Which is basically where some of the boys would go up and just touch girls like butts and stuff and then run away, and that's the game. <laughs> it's like the dance justifies this gross behavior, like I mean the stuff that happens there like you wouldn't do that on the street, you wouldn't do that anywhere else, so don't a a dance doesn't justify it. I think because of the sort of separation between girls and boys when boys and girls sometimes come together, it sort of creates this sense of divide, this whole idea that we're complete opposites. Can you tell
0: me what your sex-sexuality education has looked like at this school?
6: I had quite a good consent education. I think we had a whole term in health class in Year 10 and a little bit in Year 9 as well about consent and sex and a little bit about sexuality as well. We actually had self-defence classes, which uh, I can see how that could be good, but the self-defence teachers said, this is going to happen to you. You know, places this responsibility on girls to, you know, be prepared. You know, well, why weren't you prepared? You know, you should have had self-defence classes.
5: In year 10, we had a term of sexual education, and the only thing I ever had told to me about consent was one sentence where our teacher just said, boys, it's obvious. If it's not a yes, it's a no. That's all I've ever had spoken to me through my school about consent. As boys, we are barely taught not to rape. And then my sister's school is taught how to avoid rape and like what to wear after dark and those sorts of things. And yeah, that really scares me.
0: So you took on kind of an interesting project of your own through your yes. school.
6: So last year I decided to do a social studies project by myself about the teaching of sexual consent in high schools. Um, I decided to do a survey to my school asking if they'd experienced harassment and I actually got 119 responses and From those responses, 63% of the girls said they had been assaulted or harassed, and the most common age was 13. I had girls telling me they'd been raped, and they'd never told anyone. Such I was shocked. And then I emailed different schools in the region asking about what their sexual consent education system was, and at a single-sex boys' school, they only started their education in year 12. One boys' school didn't reply <laughs> and it all seemed a bit vague that's the problem I think is that the Ministry of Education leads it up to the schools it can you can do whatever you want and it just creates such a gap there's this sense of rape culture that's sort of it's everywhere you know it's in the media it's in songs it's in music videos it's in advertisements it's in politics you know especially in the survey that I did one of my questions was did you feel like you didn't want to say anything because you were worried people were going to say that it's normal. And majority of people said yes, they were worried about saying something. So majority of those girls have kept this quiet. And because I did this survey, it was just a voice for them. And it's just sad that they had to do that behind a screen.
0: So are there any other issues that you've seen within the kind of school body and your peers that you wanted to talk about that relate to sex and sexuality Right,
5: yeah so pornography is a really huge problem in boys our age I would say it's easily up to three quarters of the school would have an addiction, easily and this is where the like problem starts, it's just normalising the violent abuse of women and really putting pressure on boys about their masculinity and I feel that has quite an effect on boys, especially their mental health. The expectation that masculinity really means that you have to get with girls at parties and you have to dominate over girls and those sorts of things. And you keep your feelings to yourself. In my friend group, I feel open to discuss my feelings. But I know of boys who are in friend groups where that would just not go down well. Yeah, you'd be accused of being gay and a faggot and who talks about their feelings and those sorts of things. I really feel sorry and worried for boys who can't do those sorts of things.
0: Is there anything at your school in terms of, like, a diversity or queer support group?
5: Um, I was going to do a story for a school newspaper about it, how there was no group about it, and I found out that it's a secret group today. Recently, one of my friends came out to us and he's making a huge effort to keep it quiet because just the way that those sorts of things are treated. Like, one of my history teachers, he has posters around his wall, like, we saying, like, when is the right time to use the term gay? And, you know, I'm sitting in the class and there's these posters around the wall and then the boys at the back just going on about how this guy is so gay and he's such a faggot. And I just, yeah, it's just really gross. People seem to expect that these boys are adults and they understand the wider societal issues around that, but they don't. They're boys. They don't understand that consent is an actual problem and that rape culture is a problem or calling things gay is just contributing to this problem. They just think it's banter, just a bit of fun. It was only really this year that I realised that not every household is as good as mine in the teaching of respect of women, and I think that's something the school needs to realise, that Boys maybe don't get taught this at their homes, and the school really needs to pick up their game in the teaching of it, because these boys will go out into the world without the understanding that consent needs to be given.
0: In a moment, we're going to hear from some more teenagers about sex and sexuality education. But first, us grown-ups were also teenagers once so we gave some onto it Kiwi adults a call to ask what they would say if we could shoot them back in time to talk to their teen selves about sex. Our first snippets of advice come from cartoonist and children's book author Toby Morris and Robbie Nichol, also known as White Man Behind a Desk, aka New Zealand's 23-year-old John Stewart.
4: The big one would be just not to have so much pressure on it and stress on it and kind of anxiety around it. Like you've got 50 odd years of doing this ahead of you. No one's keeping score except for you. But I guess the other biggest thing is just that you have to drop the idea that women are either the competition or the the other team or that you have to kind of win somehow by, by having sex. Sex is not something that you do to somebody. It's something that you do with somebody.
7: Kia hello, my name is Robbie. Don't let anyone tell you that men are simple and women are complicated. Because everybody's complicated. Um, if you're the kind of dude that falls in love really easily, but you don't want to have sex, that's fine. And if you're a slutty guy who wants to get with lots of women, that's also totally fine. Just make sure you communicate with all of your partners, make sure that they know what they're signing up for... And if you've done all of those things, and you do everything with complete consent, then you're fine. Okay, now, if you're a dude who fancies women, I just really want to strongly advise you to disregard entirely every film or TV show you've ever seen. The same goes for pornography. Porn is mostly directed by men, and it's mainly for men. You're going to learn that, regardless of what porn suggests, it's actually really fun to make your partner happy so don't just copy porn in the bedroom porn isn't evil so stop feeling so guilty if you think you're watching it too much or you feel icky about the stuff that you're watching just talk to someone it's not that big a deal anyway you're going to be fine it's going to be so hard and terrifying and it's also going to be beautiful and exciting and the best so good luck
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Later, we're going to look a little more closely at the effects of porn on teenagers. But first, consent. It's a word you've probably heard come up a lot lately. Recently, a group of Wellington College students were caught joking about rape on Facebook. And you may remember that sparked protests from high school students calling for better consent education in schools. And having spoken to a lot of young people about sex recently... This is easily the thing that has come up the most and with the strongest sense of urgency. It actually made me realise that when I talk about that feeling that I had as a teenager of losing control when things got more heated and exciting, I'm talking about consent. It's nothing new. Have a listen to this sex advice from comedian Michelle Accord. I wish that
4: I had had more confidence in those first years to say, I said yes a minute ago but I want to say no now and I you know, I've got that terrible in message. About women being cock teasers and that you know, men's testicles would explode if you stopped any sexual activity at any point. You know, it's like like men are this locomotive and once you've fired up the engine and worked up a head of steam, it cannot be stopped in its tracks and that's Absolutely not true.
0: While we were making this episode of the podcast, we began to hear about one co ed high school going above and beyond to deliver comprehensive sexuality education to their students. It covers everything from consent and respectful relationships to sexuality and gender, peer pressure, and the influence of pornography. This is how I found myself at the front of a prefab classroom at Wellington High School, staring at 20 17-year-olds who were all waiting expectantly for me to quiz them on sex. You can tell how nervous I am by the number of times I say, ready, when I start talking.
3: Are we ready? (laughs) Okay, we're ready. Are you guys ready? Is everyone in this room ready? Yeah, good, okay.
0: Ready. <laughs> okay, I might not have been ready, but the class was. They have, after all, been talking about this stuff for years. Uh, we went through a list of questions before, and I'll just start at the beginning and um, maybe just like yell out if you want to answer it. And then, after those initial kind of the louder people have talked, then we can maybe engage the people who um, didn't get a chance to talk. So what's the the single most important thing you've learned about sex, sexuality, gender, intimacy, relationships in this classroom?
3: Um, Something that kind of stuck with me is the whole drunk consent uh, thing, and we learned a lot about that um, in year 11. And that sort of entails, you know, you can't consent while drunk or high or any form of intoxicated. It's almost like you sort of forget about it until you're in the situation, and then it kind of hits you like a train, and you're like, oh my god, this is what was talked about and this is, these are the rules that I have to follow. And it's one of those situational things that you don't quite understand until you get there.
2: I feel like also the conversations that we have around like consent and stuff have made it a lot easier to like help someone out and help them understand that maybe what happened to them wasn't okay. You can look at it and think that situation isn't respectful or consensual or something like that. So like it makes it easier to be able to look after yourself and also look out for your friends, I think. To recognise
0: it. Yeah,
6: sort of, yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely. You see consent as well?
8: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's one of the most important
0: things you learn, especially at this age. Yeah. You guys agree? You really yeah. agree? Yeah. Any Any other things?
8: I think it's also important to not only recognise those signs in other people, but also in yourself and making sure that you're following the rules of consent as well. I think a lot of the time when we talk about consent, we don't think of ourselves as ever being able to do anything that would harm other people, because... We all want to believe that we're good people, but it's a big part of learning about consent is learning that
3: you're you're applicable, applicable to that as well. What was it? Yeah, I yeah, unfortunately <laughs> I have to count myself among the thousands that had to Google how to have safe gay sex because there was just no education for it. So being able to talk about it and then like, you know, compare experiences and then laugh about it just makes it a lot easier to think about and approach and prepare for it, like, it, like lessens the taboo around the topic. Normalizes it. Yeah.
6: yeah. I've found that I'm a lot more open talking to people outside of the class when it comes to sex and gender because I sort of know what I'm talking about now because mm. you have the words and the understanding
2: Mm. not just like mm-hmm. the, the passion for the subject or yeah. mm. and I imagine
0: it, I mean it makes it easier to talk about in a group but are you finding when you go out into the world that you guys are just really open about talking about sex sexuality gender identity compared to other people like do you have to be like oh that's right not no, everyone's no, doing no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little haven in the
3: classroom yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
5: I think we kind of like we live in a little bit of
3: a bubble
2: like about what? Like it's good. Like this is what it should be like. It should be an open discussion. But then you also have to keep in mind that although it's important to talk about, that not everyone's going to think the same as everyone else in this classroom. mean? Mm.
8: yeah. When I came to the school um, in year eleven. I, I myself like was pretty close-minded. Yeah. In what ways were you? Would you say
0: you were close-minded?
8: Just because, like, I'm from a really like small town and stuff, like sort of bogany and all that
6: sort of thing. <laughs> so, like, and like growing up with like really like sort of like old parents as well. Like, they just had like they've got their mind like set on like all things like race and like gender and like sex and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was ingrained in me. And then, yeah, I came to the school and it just changed my opinion on pretty much everything. And have you gone
0: back and talked to your parents about yeah, a lot of I these talk, things?
6: Yeah, me and my dad have, like, big arguments
2: and stuff about that sort of thing all the time, yeah.
0: But you've got lots of ammunition now. Yeah. <laughs> what did your parents teach you about sex? Like, what did home, sex, sexuality, gender education look like before you came into this classroom?
8: Um, yeah, I think I was really lucky with my, like, my parents in that way because, I don't know, my mum really, like, told me everything that she went through as a teenager and, kind of taught me how to deal with certain situations and then when I came to learn it at school I found it really good to like piece together the like factual information and then my mum's experiences and things and it just I don't know it was really helpful.
0: Good on your mum.
8: Was anyone else prepared like that
0: or were yeah
6: I remember my parents were really open but they started teaching me about sexual education a bit late so I didn't want to hear about it and I sort of Shut down the conversations, so that's why I think it's really
8: important to have good sexual education in school. Because you don't really want to talk about that with your parents unless you are like a super open family. Um, my parents kind of told me nothing, and kind of relied on the media. I kind of went online in the end and kind of found things out online, and then I came here and like realized that I wasn't actually like the only one doing these things.
3: I had quite a serious argument with uh, one of my relatives because something had come out in the media about a girl being raped and what we were discussing was I said he should be going to jail and he should be punished for it because that's absolutely unacceptable and she was going, yeah, but it ruins his life,
6: like, (laughs) He did it,
3: so he should be punished. I had a similar experience um, where I went through
8: the police process um, after being assaulted and I remember I was on the phone with my sister, and I was about 14 at the time, and I was talking to her about it and I was saying I did not know whether or not I wanted to come forward and her response was, well just remember you're <coughs> probably going to ruin his life. And that was kind of the most upsetting thing I've ever had someone say to me. And knowing that I come from quite a liberal family who were really supportive in the end but knowing that there are families that are much less understanding and open, and it have those sorts of statements spread around so much like that makes me really upset thinking of how many women are out there or just people out there not just women who experience the same sort of shaming as well i'm really sorry that happened to you
0: (laughs) (laughs) is there anything else that is like one of the major topics for you guys outside i know consent is huge is pornography pretty big in your
2: worlds I feel like it's still even now something that a lot of people don't talk about.
8: Yeah, yeah, it's not talked
2: no. about. It's, it's kind, of, kind of old. I just yeah, like. yeah, it's kind of old
6: news. I feel like everybody's doing stuff physically now.
8: Yeah, like, like a, yeah. Really or just n- or, not caring about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, but also
2: there's like the common knowledge that porn isn't real life. A lot of the time, it gives people like a toxic idea of what what sex should be. Like, I just
0: wonder if that is common knowledge outside of no. classrooms. I don't so think it is. I mean, like, um,
8: yeah, like, I think we in this class <laughs> we all know that, but I feel like yeah.
3: in the majority of like,
8: friend groups, yeah, <laughs> yeah like are we boys in our
3: school. I think there does need to be a little bit more education around what porn does to you and how to sort of know, understand what you're watching.
8: Yeah.
0: You guys, you've all been really open with me. Um, and I want to talk about the kinds of things you worry about.
8: It worries me the fact that I know that our class is a rarity so obviously we don't know everything but yeah we've had the good, a good opportunity to learn a lot about sex and sex education and stuff and I know that so many people aren't taught anything about it and that it's going to continue that way unless something big changes it all and you know it's not going to fix itself. I'm worried that
6: because sexual education differs from school to school and from class to class, I'm worried that this lack of knowledge will lead to situations where people get hurt. It does,
3: like every day. Yeah, Yeah.
6: that's what I'm worried
3: for. (laughs)
6: Thank
0: you so much to the members of that classroom. You know who you are for being so open and for being very kind to this quite nervous journalist. In a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about pornography. But first, let's listen to another couple of bits of advice. First up, 23-year-old player for the Black Sticks, Rose Cadell, and she's followed by one of our favourite local musicians, 24-year-old trans rapper Randa.
4: I went to to a Christian school, and it was something that probably, I believe, wasn't talked about openly enough. I, I wasn't somebody who was in a lot of relationships growing up. I was, you know, quite focused with my sport, pretty busy, so I didn't really have time, I guess, to worry about that kind of thing. But I did actually value the time that I was single, because I felt like I really got to know myself, my values, what I thought was appropriate to do and not to do. I think that you really just need to get to know what you're comfortable with. At least have a guiding light that you've come up with yourself. It will save you a lot of a lot of issues in the future. That would probably be my number one advice. You know, Christian or not. I definitely felt like closeted. You know, I didn't feel like I could come out comfortably. You know, I didn't want really, to, like, get bullied or, I don't know, it, was, it didn't seem like it would help, <laughs> it would help at all. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm so stoked, I'm so proud of who I am and I don't feel that shame now. I feel like I can own who I am and and I just, I want, like, young people to be able to feel that, that you can come out the other side and, like, you can be yourself. At some point, if you can't at the moment, or you're going to meet people who are like you and it's going to feel really cool and you're going to feel stronger because of what you're going through.
0: Now, pornography. Not too long ago, porn was pretty hard to come by. You could catch a flash on late night sky one or maybe come into possession of a centrefold. But now, porn is available 24-7 on any screen with an internet connection. Marie Crabb runs a project called Reality and Risk in Australia, looking at the effects of pornography on young people. And she also comes over here to deliver workshops. I spoke to Marie and started by asking whether research backs up what we heard from our boys' school student earlier, that he thinks 75% of his
1: schoolmates are addicted to porn. I think there is, you know, a rising number of stories of young men who are feeling that their use of pornography is out of control is compulsive in some way perhaps they're watching more than they want to be watching but they feel drawn back to it or they're watching content that they don't feel good about there's some Swedish research of 16 year old boys which found that 10% of boys were using pornography daily or more often and a further 63% were using pornography weekly or more often so basically right on three quarters Mm. were using pornography weekly or More frequently, Uh, that's not the same thing as saying that they feel that their use is compulsive, of course, but quite high levels of consumption of pornography.
0: We hear a little in the media about how pornography is standing in for relationship and sexuality education for a lot of young people. Is that something that you are seeing
1: more and more? Absolutely. Pornography is just so very accessible. It's fascinating. You know, it's people being sexual and it's there and it's anonymously accessible for free. Many young people, particularly young men, who are much more likely to be active and enthusiastic consumers of pornography than young women, will be spending a lot more time consuming pornography than they are getting any other form of sexuality education.
0: So what are the implications when a teenager is consuming
1: this level of pornographic material. Well, I think one of the key things to understand is that the kind of material that young people are exposed to and are easily accessing is not a centerfold. So a study of 50 of the most popular pornographic videos found that 88% of scenes included physical aggression and 48% of scenes included verbal aggression and 94.4% of that aggression was directed towards women. So the implications for young people's capacity to navigate relationships and sexuality that feel fantastic are really serious. We interviewed leading thinkers in the international pornography industry for our documentary films. And they spoke openly about how the kind of content that sells is material that is about pushing women. So, uh, pornography commonly depicts anal sex and very aggressive ways of engaging in anal sex. Other things like having ejaculate on your face or your body or what the industry refers to as deep throating which is fellatio with the penis pushed into the throat inducing gagging which is also a very common trope in mainstream pornography and a study from the UK found a normalisation of coercive heterosexual anal sex amongst 16 to 18 year olds where the young men and the young women in the study said they expected young men to pressure or coerce a reluctant female partner to engage in anal sex and they expected that anal sex would be pleasurable for the male but painful for the female and that was apparently not... A deterrent so these kind of shaping of sexual norms and of gendered norms around whose role is what and you know the key messages being that men should get whatever they want in sex and that women should put up with what's expected of them that is deeply problematic of course it's very fertile ground for sexual assault but it's also the conditions in which many people are going to be very unhappy
0: Inevitably, if you start critiquing pornography in a public forum, you will come up against people calling you out for being sex negative. Do you agree that there are ways to consume pornography that
1: can support or be part of a healthy sexuality? I think part of what happens in those debates is we end up talking about content that hardly anyone ever watches. The bulk of the material is content that is sexist that is, you know, often degrading and often um, aggressive towards women, although it doesn't always appear aggressive because the women's role in straight porn is to look like they're enjoying what's being done to them. We know that violence against women is the leading preventable cause of illness, injury and death for women under 45 in our country. It's a major public health crisis all around the world well-to-do countries like Australia and New Zealand are not exempt and gender inequality is identified as the key driver of violence against women. Now, pornography not only suggests that gender inequality is normal, it suggests that it's sexy and it celebrates and eroticizes aggression towards women. We need to, as a society, be better at critiquing and understanding where those messages are propagated and pornography is, is one of those places. Finally, Marie... A
0: lot of this is going to be fairly alarming for parents so what can they do to help
1: protect and empower their children? We should take seriously the need to do things like put filters on internet when we're providing internet to young people. Another thing that I think we need to do is to support young people to critique the sorts of messages that they see in pornography and we can begin that when they're quite young by using children's television and advertising directed at children to help them critique the sorts of messages they see, you know, about men and women and sexuality and age and ethnicity, either by the presence or the absence of those things in the, in the imagery. Uh, and then as they get older, we can have more overt conversations about sexualized media and including pornography. And we need to help them understand what respectful relationships look like. And we need to inspire them that relationships and sexuality can be great I think porn sells sex short, it sells men short, and it sells women short. And as a society, we need to find ways to talk to young people about great relationships and sexuality. Thank you so much, Marie Crabb.
0: I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling very grateful for some practical advice on how to navigate that one. We have one last piece of celebrity sex advice before we sign off. This one's coming in from Offshore. And for those who don't recognise this voice, as I would anywhere, this is sex advice guru Dan Savage.
1: Like the sooner you get around to self-acceptance and the sooner you get around to being open and honest about who you are and what you want, who you want to be with, the sooner you get the things you want and get to be with the types of people that you want to be with. And that It's impossible if you're overly concerned about what other people think of you. You know, you you have one life, you get to be who you are, or you get to be not who you are. And not being who you are is exhausting, and in the end it isn't worth it. Uh, Whoever you're trying to please, whatever you're trying to keep, uh, whatever you're holding on to by denying who you really are, in the end is, you know, it's an anvil you're holding as you sink into the ocean. You gotta let it go.
0: Thank you, Dan Savage. That snippet comes from a longer interview that we will try to include more bits of throughout the series. That's it for this episode of Bang. If this has raised any questions or concerns, we're going to be live in the studio in Nights with Brian Crump at 8.30 on Wednesday. And we're going to be taking questions from you with a resident expert, Leslie ann Guild, who's been working as a health promoter with family planning for more than a decade. So if you would like us to answer your question, just download the RNZ Pop app and record it, and we'll get through as many as we can on the night. You can also email bang at radio with any other feedback. If you're a teenager and you just feel like you need someone to talk to, Youthline, WhatsApp, and Rainbow Youth are just some of the amazing free services that you can use. Thank you so much for listening. To subscribe, go to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment to review and rate, please do. Bang was produced by me, Melody Thomas, with special assistance from Marcus Stickley. It was engineered by William Saunders and the executive producer was Tim Watkin. Next time, we dive headfirst into the world of modern dating.
4: Yo, I got with a 10, you know, <laughs> teen. something like that. Yo, see, it's this shit that you hear and then you're like, oh, my God.
2: <laughs>